Welcome to Igris Moshe A to Z. I'm Rabbi Dov Linzer, Rosh Hashivan President of Yeshivat Chovevei Torah Rabbinical School. We're in the middle of a series relating to the letter N, or non-Jews, and we've been seeing Chuvas of Rav Moshe Feinstein, both where he encourages a shared recognition of uh, some religious experiences of Jews and non-Jews, and at the same time where he is very clear about drawing uh, some red lines in terms of our relationship with non-Jews. In one episode, we saw that he recognized the importance of prayer of non-Jews, but then in the next episode, we saw that uh, when it came to non-Jews doing Jewish ritual, when it came to Jews learning about even ancient pagan religions, or when it even came to uh, support of yeshivot from the generosity of non-Jews, if it was too anchored in the non-Jewish uh, world, this was a place where Rav Moshe actually drew a line. And uh, it's important to appreciate that this is because, you know, he's a, they're part of a minority religion in a larger society. And the question is, how do you work to make sure to uh, protect the values and commitments and identity of your community? In this episode, we're going to look at another place where Rav Moshe felt that a line had to be drawn. And here it was a much uh, starker and and absolute line than we've even seen in the previous episode. And this relates to the events that were taking place uh, between 1965 and 1967 and beyond. Um, On October 28, 1965, the Second Vatican Council issued a statement on the Jews and was just called the Nostra Atate. And this statement was a positive assessment of Jewish contribution in history. It was a repudiation of Christian anti-Semitism, and it opened the door for the possibility of Jewish-Christian dialogue and debate. And this was met in many Jewish circles, uh, particularly the non-Orthodox circles, with a sense of optimism um, that we would see an abating of Christian anti-Semitism, the possibility of religious ecumenicism, um, and really the ability to start finding shared ground between Jews and Christians. Uh, Rav Moshe was to have none of this. And in this tshuva that we will read, which was uh, issued in 1967, around March 1967, uh, we will see uh, these two letters about how Rav Moshe felt that we absolutely can have nothing to do with this enterprise at all, and we will see how far that goes. So this is two letters in Igris Moshe, Yerdea 343. And uh, he writes as follows, and because these are um, so powerful, uh, we'll read, be reading these in full. So he says, a tutuvot relating to the prohibition to go to gatherings with Christians, regarding, number one, finding areas of connection within the religion, interfaith dialogue, or any partnering with them, and we will see that those are two separate areas. Um, and this is dated Aleph Yutet Adar Rishon Tafshin Chavzayin, March 1st, 1967. And he addresses this tshuva to Yedidi Hanechbad Marenorav Duber Lander. So it is, um, excuse me, Duber Lander. Um, and this this is a Bernard Lander, who ultimately went on to found Lander College. And here he was still a young rabbi, and he was asking Rav Moshe's advice about whether to participate um, in this uh, in in these gatherings. And he and Rav Moshe writes as follows: You have promised. 
promised to come to a gathering on the 23rd of Adar. Now, this is being written on the 19th of Adar. So four days from now, you have uh, you are committed to come to this gathering. And this will be a gathering of Katholikin, Upratistinim, Catholics, Protestants, Yachad im Bnei Yisrael, together with uh, Jews, Mechavrei Synagogue Council. And the, who is going to be participating from the Jews? Members of the Synagogue Council. Now, the Synagogue Council was an interdenominational council. Um, and uh, the question of Orthodox participation was uh, very fraught. Rav Moshe actually in 1956, um, together with a number of rabbis and as part of the Agudas Yisrael, uh, wrote a ban and a cherem on Orthodox participation in the synagogue council. So they're already, uh, that's even Jews, uh, you know, interacting with other denominations. And he was against sort of coming together in a type of group enterprise around, the, around those issues. One can only imagine what he is going to say when it comes to uh, these types of councils and gatherings with Catholics and Protestants. So he says, who are the people that are participating? Number one, members of the synagogue council. Now, maybe that's not such a surprise. Maybe that is mostly or entirely uh, non-Orthodox rabbis. But then he goes on. The gam chaverim rabbanim may And also... Um, you know, uh, members, rabbinic members of the RCA. Histadrut Rabbanim is the RCA of the modern Orthodox community. So there are some modern Orthodox rabbis who will be participating as well. Now, you have uh, said that you would give a speech, you would give a talk, and it's not going to be about interfaith dialogue. You're going to talk about more generic issues. Um, it's not clear exactly what, but we'll see later. There's a question about coming together for social universal causes. So maybe it would have been on that topic. So you're not going to be speaking about faith matters. So maybe it's okay. I'm going to go. I'll speak about my, my topic. I'll leave. So Moshe says no. Pashut ubarur shu iser chamur. It is obvious and clear and self-evident that this is a weighty prohibition to come to this to to, to be at such a gathering. What is the prohibition? Shall avizrayu davodazara the appurtenances of idolatry. So what does this mean? And by the way, I should say that these two chuvot, one is clearly a letter, this one has halachic uh, at least content, um, are really absent pretty much any reference to any sources. Um, so one questions, number one, how much are they uh, religious policy, which can be very deeply felt and could be seen by Rav Moshe as absolute and black and white, even if cannot be expressed in uh, technical halachic terms, doesn't mean it's not any less weighty. Um, or are there technical halachic issues? So we'll, so let's take a look at the possible technical issue that Rav Moshe raises. He calls it avizrayu avavodazara, appurtenances of idolatry. So that means, number one, that Rav Moshe is seeing Christianity as a vodazara, as a form of, um, maybe not idolatry, but foreign worship. And this clearly had been the approach of halachic uh, decisors for close to two centuries, for close to the advent of the time of, of Christianity, certainly from the writings that we have, at least from like the sixth or century on, uh, to see Christianity as a form of avodazara, because either because of the Trinity or because of the belief in, you know, God taking the form of a human being. Um, so that has 
has been the traditional approach. There have been along the way softenings of that. Um, it's not a Vodazara for non Jews, it's only a Vodazara for Jews. We can still have interactions with them. We don't have to see the actual Christians as worshipers of a Vodazara, even if that's our attitude towards Christianity. But even with all of those various softenings, Christianity itself um, was consistently regarded as a form of a Vodazara. Now, I should mention that there are some modern poskim who are revising, want to sort of reassess and revise that as well um, and emphasize the shared belief in a transcendent single God, um, creator of the world, and that ultimately the other differences are not enough to put this in this category of a Vodazara or foreign worship. Rav Moshe is having none of that, um, and he says this is a Vodazara. Okay, fine. It's a Vodazara. So why can't I participate? Because of Avizrayu of a Vodazara, because of appurtenances to idolatry. So what does that mean? That means that the same way it is forbidden for me as a Jew to worship idols or to derive benefit from idols um, or to participate in foreign worship, whether it's about idols or not. Um, and again, I want to emphasize that we're not saying that Christianity is about idolatry, but it's a foreign forbidden form of belief, um, that even though that's forbidden for me, it's not only forbidden to worship and to derive sort of benefit from the physical objects, but it's also forbidden to do any type of involvement that could, uh, that is related to Avodazara. Now, of course, that's a very broad category, and exactly what does it include? Does it mean something that will lead me to worship Avodazara? Does it mean something that even comes from the world of Avodazara? That's not fully clear. Um, but Rav Moshe says that that's where this falls. And we'll see in a minute why Rav Moshe felt that this is not just tangential. This really is a phenomenon that very powerfully will can lead to uh, this type of Avodazara connection with a foreign religion. Um, and I should mention that this category of Avizrayu of Avodazara um, is in the category of Yeharg Val Yavor, the same way a Jew is supposed to be willing to give up his life rather than uh, worship idols or worship a foreign religion. Um, this is same as said by this issue of the appurtenances of Avodazara. So it's really an important question about what falls in this category. Um, now, Rav Moshe doesn't say anywhere in this tshuva that this is actually Yeharik Val Yavor, um, you know, that you have to give up your life rather than doing this, although he uses a term that would suggest it. He also has no an analysis, no halachic analysis, what falls into this potentially huge category of Avizrayu of Avodazara. So, as I said, there's very little, if any, technical halachic argument. But again, that doesn't mean that he did not see this as a technical halachic issue. And he certainly saw this as something profoundly forbidden religiously, whether or not one could make it a sort of a technical prohibition. So let's keep on reading and see what he says. He says that this is an isr chamor shel avizrayu davodazara of appurtenances of idolatry or of foreign religions. Asher pashta hamagefa ata mikomot. And now this uh, plague has spread in many places, you know, these uh, sort of, all of these types of gatherings and the impact that they can have is now becoming very widespread after, you know, after the uh, ruling of the Second Vatican Council. Through the uh, sort of initiative of the Pope, the new Pope, and it now comes the key line. 
all of the intent of this pope who, uh, you know, started the Second Vatican Council. We're talking here now about Pope John the Twenty-Third, who whose initiative began the Second Vatican Council, which led to this passing of this um, statement relating to the relationship of Jews, you know, seen by so many as this very uh, positive reassessment of Christianity, of Judaism, trying to create bonds and more warm relationships. Here's how Rav Moshe categorizes it. Rav Moshe says the following, a share Kol Kavanato, his entire intent, Hulahavir et Amunatam, is to bring all the Jews against, you know, to, to convert them from their faith. All of this is just a ploy to convert Jews. And that's what this is all about. From their pure and holy faith, to accept the Christian faith. So all of this is to have all of these gatherings. Why? Not to respect Jews, to understand them better, that there should be more mutual understanding. No, all of this is a, you know, is a ploy to, uh, to be engaged with Jews on religious discussions, so ultimately to lead to the conversion of the Jews. That, you know, this Pope is very uh, uh, wise or very, uh, you know, crafty, and he understands that it'll be much easier to, you know, you can attract more flies with, uh, you know, with honey than with vinegar. The way we're going to convert them is rather than at the edge of the sword, you know, and rather than forced conversion and with anti-Semitism, we're we're going to convert them by just being so loving and welcoming. So he's not going to have the anti-Semitism, the, the murder of Jews, the killing of Jews. No, no, no. He's going he's gonna to lead us astray through his abundance of love. So number one, it is characterizing this um, through the lens of, you know, 1,500 years of Jewish-Christian history. Uh, Rav Moshe is not prepared to think that anything is really changed about that relationship. Uh, and while Rav Moshe, in his true vote, is willing to embrace and acknowledge changes in society, not just even not even just uh, technological changes, but just different norms, how America is different than Russia in terms of our relationship to the country and to you know the government, nevertheless, when it comes to Christianity, he can only see it through the lens of the last 1,500 years. And since for 1,500 years there has been profound Christian anti-Semitism, which has led to the uh, oppression and the killing of Jews, since there has been repeated attempts to convert Jews throughout history, this must be the same thing. So he is presuming the motivation and seeing all of what's happening through that lens. And now he goes on. He says the following. Now, if we want to talk about technical prohibitions, we can also see this as a form of, you know, of seducing and pushing somebody off of their faith of God. Now, this actually seems to be a little bit more relevant or directly speaking to the concerns that he voices than this category of appurtenances of Avodah Zarah. Um, this is basically a concern that you, by being involved in this, this will lead you astray from your faith and your religion. People might remember that Rav Moshe used the category of mesit to speak about inviting a non-observant Jew to your house on Shabbos because you will then encourage him to drive on Shabbos. Um, so Rav Moshe certainly makes use of this category of mesit, and he says that you cannot participate. Um, and now this applies even if you and other rabbis who go there, you'll be very careful with what you say, and you don't flatter the priests and their religion. Now, this was actually a very important concern. Um, at the end of the, these two vote, we will read from a passage 
from Rav Salvechik, who had a more nuanced approach than Rav Moshe. But Rav Salvechik was also against um, Jewish-Christian religious dialogue. And one of the things that concerned him was that when you have these types of dialogues, you don't want to seem too foreign to the other faith and you wind up compromising the principles of your own faith or saying things that make it feel like that, that, that present it as there's greater shared ground um, and more positive things that you feel about their religion than you actually do feel um, or believe. So Rav Moshe here is pointing to that, that, you know, just going there, you might wind up, uh, you know, saying things that are, you know, that are giving recognition to the priest, to the popes, to Christianity um, that would be... Uh, that would be inappropriate, either that it would be a compromise of, you know, Jewish belief or that it would be elevating this enterprise, which, as Rev. Moshe said, is deeply dangerous. So even if you are committed to not engage in that type of flattery, um, so Rev. Moshe, when he speaks about non-Orthodox rabbis, does not say rabbanim. He says rabbis. He doesn't want to give them the status of that title of rabbanim. So they're just American rabbis. They're non-Orthodox rabbis. So he says, I know that they are doing exactly this, that they are flattering, you know, the, the, the priests and Christianity and saying things that they want to hear. And he says, and they are misitim omadichim. By them participating, right, they are pushing away. They are participating in this activity, which ultimately is going to push Jews away from Judaism into Christianity. And now we understand better what Rav Moshe said of the idea of, of mesit, that your participation, even if you want it to be totally neutral, by just your presence, you are helping this enterprise, which is going to lead Jews away from Judaism, have them convert to Christianity. So you, not just you will, you will be pushed off. You will be one of the pushers. Your participation will help push Jews away from Judaism. And that's why you cannot go. Um, and he says, Even if you're committed to not flatter and therefore not have that risk that by flattering them you're going to push Jews astray and push them towards Christianity. Nevertheless, you're, from your going there, other people will learn that they can uh, engage in other forms of Christian discussion and uh, participation and maybe they'll go hear some missionaries speak and that will push them astray and other types of situations. So just participating is actually going to have the impact of opening the doors to greater Jewish-Christian, uh, you know, engagement, which ultimately, says Rav Moshe, will lead to and is really motivated by a desire to convert the Jews. Now, he, he ends with the following paragraph. He says, He says, look, I'm in a difficult situation. I promised I would speak. It's four days away. To back out is going to be very embarrassing. Maybe what I could do is I could just send a letter with my speech and I won't go. How about that? So Rav Moshe says, you can't do that either. Any encounter with them, ultimately you are adding support to their initiative. Even not your presence, um, even just some way, even distantly participating is going to help this enterprise which is going to lead Jews astray. Um, and um, this, will be, this will give support to their wicked, extremely wicked initiative. 
ve'asafot ke'elu shishamati shirotzim lasot Boston. Under no circumstances can you participate in gatherings that I heard that are being planned in Boston. Uber Roman in Rome. V'cholam ishtatevi mahem. Anybody that participates, you, me, you, whoever they are. I don't care if it's an Orthodox person and a person of status and a person of real, you know, uh, deep Torah learning. It's irrelevant. Anybody who participates, by their participation, they are part of this enterprise which is going to seduce and push Jews away from Judaism and into the welcoming hands of Christianity. Et Kla Yisrael. What the attempt of the missionaries, the Catholic missionaries, for hundreds of years, the low Alab Yadam, and they weren't able to succeed to convert Jews over these hundreds of years. These efforts of the Catholic missionaries over centuries to convert Jews, and none of it helped except for a very, very tiny percentage of Jews uh, converted. Um, God forbid what could happen now by rabbis who are lacking any sense um, and don't see the dangers and will participate here with these types of uh, gatherings. You are going to actually leave to the a much greater conversion of Jews than ever happened over millennia of the Christian missionaries. So this is extremely dangerous, this overwhelming approach. First, he thinks it's motivated by, by, by a desire to convert Jews, and maybe even if it weren't motivated, he's not, he doesn't say this, but he certainly he said that that could have that threat of converting Jews, and any participation, you will do worse for the Jews and do more to push Jews away from Judaism than a millennia of Christianity. Christian um, missionaries. Um, the ain tonim lemesit lomar shelonit kavein lezeh v'yitchayi benafshem chas v'shalom bezebuba. And the Gemara's principle is that if somebody is trying to seduce you to idolatry and away from uh, Judaism and away from God, that you don't ever try to find any defense for this person or to uh, you know try to sort of understand their perspective. That's completely irrelevant. I don't care what is motivating you. It could be the purest motivations. This person is seen as a participant in this wicked enterprise and will be punished by God in this world and in the next. Um, now, he, and he ends by saying, I know it's very difficult and you're worried that you're now going to turn it down and it's only a few days before. He says, don't worry about it. It's possible that by not going and because not going not with some excuse, not going because it is prohibited to participate, not only will you not be part of this enterprise which will lead the Jews astray, but you will actually, by taking a principled objection, it is possible that actually others will learn from you and that they will also realize that it is forbidden to participate. And you will be part of those that bring merit to the masses. And he ends by Yedido Mokirav Moshe Feinstein. So here, very clear, black and white position. He assumes, number one, a very wicked intent from the Pope and from this whole initiative, reading it through the lens of a millennia and a half of Jewish uh, 
Christian relations, um, and he sees that participating in participating in this, even in neutral ways, gives strength to this whole enterprise and will just succeed in pushing Jews away from Judaism and into Christianity. So he is completely against this. Here we have to draw a very deep red line that cannot be crossed. So now let's see his second letter. These are both included in the same tshuva. And this letter is dated Tet Adar Sheni Tashin Chavzayin. So two weeks after the first, which was March 1st, here we are March 15th, two weeks later. And who is this letter to? Now remember, the gathering in New York was happening four days from the first letter, so that gathering has already happened. This is now written two weeks later. So let's see who he's reading it to, who he's writing it to and what his concern is. He said, Malod Kvodo Yedidi Vachavivi, my dear beloved friend, Hagaon Hagadol, the great Gaon, Hamiforsam of renown, Marbitz Torah Birabim, who brings Torah to the masses. Morenu Harav Yosef Dov Salvechik Shlita. So he is writing this to Rav Yosef Dov Salvechik, the spiritual head of modern orthodoxy, the spiritual head of the RCA who actually, parenthetically, was a cousin to Rav Moshe Feinstein, and they had a very positive, warm relationship, even though they inhabited different parts of the Orthodox community. So here he is writing this letter to Rav Salavechik. Shalom u'brachah kol amin. you should have peace for all the days. So here is what he writes. B'davar asher eze rabbanim yatzi'irim, some of the young rabbis, nilkadu b'pach shel rosh ha'komrim, have been, you know, have been, uh, tr- have been uh, captured in the trap laid by the head of the priests, the Vatican, meaning the Pope, b'shem ha'moetzah ha'akumenit, in the name of this, of the ecumenical council, asher kavanatohu lahavir kol ha'yudim lemunatam chas v'shalom, that, the, again, the intent of all of this is to bring, is to take the Jews a- away from Judaism to convert them into Christianity. And the cardinals and the bishops, men who have been commanded by the Pope, have been directed by the Pope, to to create uh, gatherings and connections between Jews and between priests and rabbis in various councils and gatherings, in all a wide range of places, and also with conventions, and the acts of the sat of the satan have been successful. That actually some rabbis have actually participated. Now notice, by the way, uh, he says rabbanim. So he is talking about orthodox rabbis, and we know that orthodox rabbis from the RCA, as Rav Moshe wrote in his previous tshuva, did participate. And, Rav, and this is what is bothering Rav Moshe Feinstein. I can draw the lines in my community, the Orthodox, non-modern Orthodox community, but I need my I need help in in drawing the lines within modern Orthodoxy because I see that some members of the RCA are actually participating. Maybe my cousin of Yosef Dov Salvechik can come down on my side and we can really work together to prevent any Orthodox rabbi from participating. Now he also described them as Rabbanim Hatsi'irim, young rabbis, sort of the understanding that it would only be young, naive rabbis who would not be able to see this enterprise for what it truly was, and maybe also they're being flattered to be participating in it. So those are the ones that are not wise enough and, you know, mature enough to recognize the threat 
and we have to do something to, to prevent them from participating. So he says like this, And they have sort of um, given themselves an allowance, you know, ta- told themselves that it's permissible. Why is it permissible to participate? Because they're not going to speak about faith issues. They're only going to, pe- to speak about societal issues. Um, Asher, you know, working together to address the ills of society. Now, why should Rav Moshe have a problem with that? Um, you're not talking about religious issues. So let's see. Number one, First of all, there's really no separating the two. Even when Christians are involved in addressing societal ills, they're doing it from the context of their religion. So everything is religious. And they have a different perspective. So they're sort of, you know, doing, uh, working for the betterment of society is coming with a different religious framing than ours. So ultimately it is the, you know, the clash um, of two different religions. Um, And Anyway, here he goes to his assumption of the intent. This is all really just a ploy anyway, because they'll start by talking about let's work together to deal with the problems of the poor, but ultimately they want to engage us in religious discussion in order to lead us away from Judaism and into Christianity. So, number one, it is a religious encounter, and number two, ultimately that's, you know, ultimately that's the sort of what they're planning regardless. Hine um, Pashut, now it is obvious, so that's number one. Ultimately, this really is still about religion. Let's not fool ourselves. And that is a threat to Jews' religious identity. Number two, even putting that aside, just cooperation with them, joint participation with them, even in completely neutral matters, it is something that is forbidden at all times. The Ata, now why is it forbidden to do some type of joint participation with Christians? I'm going to be working at a problem of poverty in my community. Why not sort of link up together with other, with non-Jews and we can all work together to address this ill? So if Moshe doesn't sort of explicate that, but he goes on and says the following. And certainly, again, going back to his point, this all is coming from a drive from the Pope and therefore, any type of participation is being involved in this initiative, because we all know where this initiative is leading. If you read the news reports, anytime that there are these gatherings, it says, isn't this wonderful? Judaism and Christianity are coming together, and they're, you know, recognizing the, the uh, similarities of their two religions, and they're praying together. So ultimately, it doesn't matter why they're gathering. We all know what this is about, and we all know what this is going to lead to. Okay, now again, it is interesting that bracketing the faith issues, Rav Moshe seems to claim that just joint participation is intrinsically forbidden. But he doesn't elaborate on that. And one imagines that if you would have stripped off all of the religious issues, Rav Moshe would not be opposed to working together with, let's say, non-Jews to address an issue of the poor in the community. But those issues of faith cannot be stripped off. And then he says like this, 
the Kfar Shaloti Yachad Me Rabbanim Hatsi'irim. Again, notice the young rabbis. One of the young rabbis already asked me. Asher Nishlach Mihistadrut Rabbanim Ledaver Bechafkamal Adar Aleph was sent two weeks ago from the RCA to speak at one of these conventions. Shahaya Kein Hitkansut New York, a convention, a gathering in New York. Mechibar Hachakomrim Lahavdil Im Rabbanim. From the priests on one side to, you know, it should be completely sort of Lahavdil saying, like, I don't want to make any type of comparison. You have priests. That's their religion. Draw a red line. And on the other side, you have the rabbis. Um, and there was supposed to be this gathering. And he asked me if it's permissible for him to go there. Because he said, look, they're not going to be talking about faith issues. Can I go there? I told him it was absolutely forbidden with a weighty prohibition of Mesit, of leading Jews astray, that he would be participating in this enterprise. Even if that wasn't his intent, it would have that effect, and therefore he could absolutely not participate. Thank God he listened to me, he did not go. So, you know, normally you read a tshuva, you have no idea what the aftermath is, but now we actually find out that he listened to Rav Moshe. And now we see why he's writing it to Rav Salvechik. Now there's going to be even a larger gathering in Boston, which was Rav Salvechik's hometown. And uh, as we've already and as we've mentioned, the concern here is about the RCA rabbis, and that's why I am writing to you now. And therefore, in order to um, frustrate the this wicked uh, initiative and the work of the Satan, and to save the Jewish people from, God forbid, converting and leaving Judaism, it was my desire that, that, that you, the great Gaon, will agree to sign you will sign on a letter that I am writing, on a ban to participate. I would like you to sign on to this. Um, and it is enclosed in this doc, enclosed in this letter. And the effect of this document is that it is an absolute prohibition to have any, uh, you know, uh, any relations or any type of joint enterprise with the priests, Bashum Ofen, under any circumstance, even not for general societal issues, as we've said, that ultimately has a religious framing and ultimately it's part of a ploy, and there can be no working together with the priests and with and with the Christians on these on these uh, on these issues. Boston, and not to participate in the gathering that will be in Boston, the and not in any type of conference. Not in this country, Europe, and not in Europe. Nowhere, this is absolutely black and white, no participation anywhere for any reason. And not to in any way support this effort. And to help the Pope in this ecumenical enterprise of his. And it's my hope that our joint ruling on this matter, that will stop all Orthodox rabbis, again, that's what the word Ramani means, from participating. Um, now, maybe you don't feel like totally comfortable with exactly the way I, art- I articulated it, and you would write, like to write your own letter. Um, so fine, write me your letter, and then we can both join, jointly sign on to the letter that you write. But I want us to come together with an absolute blanket prohibition. And I know 
of your distraction in these times, and God should have compassion. So what is he talking about? So this letter was written the 9th of Adarshani, 1967, and Rav Soloveitchik's wife, Tonya Soloveitchik, passed away the 2nd of Adarshani, 1967. So he is just getting up from Shiva. One actually wonders if Rav Moshe waited to write the letter until Rav Salvechik was getting up from Shiva. So this is obviously a personally very, very difficult time for Rav Salvechik. And nevertheless, Rav Moshe is saying, I acknowledge that, but this is urgent and I need your help. Um, ultimately, we have to do this to fight the honor of heaven, to stand in this, uh, in this breach um, of, our, of our gate, of our protective surrounding. Um, I am confident that you'll be able to you know, contain your tremendous pain that you must be in right now, your distraction, and that you'll just affix your signature to this, that it's forbidden, and then you will send it in return to me. And he ends by saying, your, your friend, the one who honors you, um, I, 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 um, I conclude, a double blessing for a full healing, that you know your wife should have a full healing, and uh, my prayers for, for divine compassion on your situation. So that's the letter. Now let's see the actual enclosed document of, of the statement that he wanted Rosalvechik to sign on to. Nusach ha'isur b'davar inyan ecumenism asher yatsa ba'atzat roshe emunat hanotrim. Here is the text of the declaration of forbidding these ecumenical gatherings that has come from the head of the Christian religion, from the Pope. Asher ha'kavana hi l'havir lishmad chas v'shalom. And Rav Moshe puts his reading of the under of the intent and the motivation right in this that it's clear that the intent is to lead to Jews to convert to Christianity. And the Satan's acts have led that even some of the Orthodox rabbis have been seduced by this. To be to uh, join join together with priests in sort of in regular committees. Um, and this is taking place all over the world. The gam be conventions be Medina Zub Europe, and also in conventions in here in America and in Europe. And we have Orthodox rabbis that have been seduced to participate in this. In response to this, we, the undersigned, are making it known. Q isur gamur that it is absolutely forbidden, barur, and it is clear, that is completely forbidden for rabbis and priests to have some type of joint body, conventions, not to go to the conventions, not those that are about to take place in Boston, not in this country, nowhere, not in other countries, and now the punchline, and not even for neutral activities, that are not connected to religion. And I don't want to hear any excuses and any justifications. It doesn't matter. All things are forbidden. I don't care what your motivation is. And there's, you cannot in any way give support to these enterprises. Um, and what is the halachic argument? That you are pushing away, seducing Jews in your participation, whatever your motivation, you are pushing them away from Judaism into the hands of Christianity. Regardless of what your motivation 
is. And for this, and now we affix our signatures below. To make this prohibition known. For all rabbis who observe our Torah, meaning for all Orthodox rabbis. And are prepared to stand, you know, in the breach of the wall to prevent this from, uh, to prevent this mixing of Judaism and Christianity. And he wanted Rav Soloveitchik to sign on. Um, as opposed to the previous tshuva where we know that he sort of said that Barclander asked to participate and Rav, Moshe, and Rav Moshe said he listened to me and he did not. In this tshuva, there is no record of Rav Soloveitchik's response. But it is well known that Rav Soloveitchik did not sign on. Um, and Rav Soloveitchik actually laid out a very different approach to that of Rav Moshe. He was willing to draw the line of distinction that Rav Moshe was not willing to draw. He was willing to distinguish between interreligious uh, dialogue and uh, engagement on the one hand, and working together with a shared purpose to address societal ills, to address universal causes on the other. And uh, he wrote an article called Confrontation in 1964 um, exactly on this point. Now, remember, these letters are 1967, so it's a little bit unclear (laughs) if Rav Moshe read uh, the Rav's articles. Maybe he was hoping that he could convince the Rav to uh, change his approach, Um, but uh, the Rav had clearly already laid out out of approach that was different to that of Rav Moshe. And it's worth reading um, a couple of key paragraphs from this where he actually draws this line of distinction. Now, and what's key to Rav Soloveitchik's more nuanced approach is what Rav, is he appreciates what Rav Moshe was not able to or not willing to appreciate. That the reality of Jewish-Christian relations, the relationship of Jews to the larger outside world, was actually in the process of changing and that we should not continue and do not need to continue to look at Christianity through the same lens that we've been looking at it for a millennia and a half because of what Christians have done over the millennia to Jews. That, has, that is in the process of changing and we have to acknowledge that. And we actually have to acknowledge that there are ways in which we have shared purpose, that we are both religious faith communities that care about God and God in society and making society better because that's what our religion mandates. And that's actually a way in which we can confront maybe the bigger challenge of the outside society, which is not from the Jewish perspective Christianity anymore, but it's secularism. So he actually was willing to take a real uh, a, pre- a real look at Uh, the changing realities that Rav Moshe was not prepared to take. And here's some sentences of what he writes in this article. He says the following. He says, There is no contradiction between coordinating our cultural activity with all men and at the same time confronting them as members of another faith community. When it comes to faith, we cannot translate the realities of our faith and try to find some shared dialogue with members of another faith. This is a point that he develops also at great extent in an essay that came a few years later called The Lonely Man of Faith. Faith is non-translatable to people from a different faith community. There is to be no dialogue, no conversation regarding that. But when it comes to coming together as from a, uh, to work on universal causes, there is nothing that stands in the way of this. 
As a matter of fact, even with non-Jewish society, each individual sees himself under a double aspect. First, as a member of a cultural, creative community in which all are committed to a common goal. So here, Salvation is not just saying we can join in with these outsiders, but there's a universal part of all human beings, and Jews are part of a universal community as well, and we are part of this cultural, creative community. We are members of this, and we have a common goal, and we have to work together on these shared causes. And at the same time, as an individual, individual living in seclusion and loneliness. And there are ways in which we are a separate community from the outside. When it comes to faith, we are a separate community. We are not all part of the same shared experience. But in those areas that we are part of, that shared reality of the larger you know, human community, those are things that we can work together with non-Jews. And he goes on to say, and, and he goes on to say as follows. Of course, he writes, as long as we were exposed to such a soulless, impersonal confrontation on the part of non-Jewish society, um, when there was antagonism and hatred, it was impossible for us to participate to the fullest extent in the great universal creative confrontation between man and the cosmic order. You know, Jews had to remain alone. They were not often engaged in more universal causes. There was hostility from the larger society. That was in the past, and that made that impossible. But it didn't make it wrong. It just made it impossible. The limited role we played until modern times in the great cosmic confrontation was not of our choosing. This is not a principled position that we should be removed from the larger world. No, human beings were commanded, you know, conquer the world, inhabit it. We have a responsibility as part of members of a universal community. It just has not been available to us until recently. Involvement with the rest of mankind in the cosmic conversation does, confrontation does not, we must repeat, rule out the second personal confrontation. The second personal confrontation of what? Of two faith communities, each aware of both what it shares and what is singularly its own. When it comes to faith communities, we are distinct. There's an unbridgeable gap. We have to remain distinct. But when we're living in the space of uh, the universal mankind community, there we are members of that. We have responsibilities towards that. And if we haven't done that in the past, it's not because we didn't want to. It's because it has not been available to us. And I'll just finish with one more sentence. And he writes as following. We stand with civilized society shoulder to shoulder over against an order which defies us all, that we actually join purposes with anybody who is part of a civilized society, particularly even, I would say, a faith community, against the challenges that are out there that wreak evil and, you know, and ills in the world. So though that is the enemy, not Christianity. That is the enemy that we as members of all civilized mankind have to fight against. We, we are called upon to tell this community not only the story it already knows, that we are human beings committed to the general welfare and progress of mankind, that we are interested in combating disease, in alleviating human suffering, on protecting man's rights, in helping the needy, etc., but also what is still unknown to it, namely our otherness as a metaphysical covenantal community. So we have to be very clear that while we are participating and telling them our shared areas and our shared universal responsibility to alleviate suffering um, and to take care of societal ills, we have to make it clear that there is an unbridgeable gap when it comes to faith issues and we remain a distinct community. So here Rav Salvechik in his beautiful philosophical poetic language is laying out 
about not using any halachic terms like Rav Moshe did, Mesit and Mediach, not questioning the motivation of the Pope and of this whole enterprise, and understanding that the reality is different, that they are no longer the same enemy that they were before, that we actually have a shared enemy in terms of those that would hurt civilized society, and maybe one could also say, you know, uh, uh, pure secularism, and that we actually have shared purpose, and we actually are not only go- goes further, that we're actually part of a shared community. Uh, there are ways in which we have, we are a similar, uh, there are ways in which we are the same community as non-Jews. So in all of these ways, taking a really different approach from Rav Moshe Feinstein um, and telling and allowing him to say it is absolutely forbidden, though not using halachic terms, to participate in interreligious dialogue. And not only is it permitted, but it is actually a mitzvah um, to participate in dealing with the societal ills and challenges in coming together for those purposes and in expressing our shared human enterprise and our shared participation in human community. So clearly a very stark distinction between Rav Soloveitchik and Rav Moshe, very clear that Rav Soloveitchik did not sign on to this letter. Um, and the RCA came out with a statement that actually drew the line between these two fields of economic activity. So again, it is worth noting that with all of the sometimes more welcoming, um, uh, you know, sort of responsive to modern conditions approach that we find in Rav Moshe Feinstein, when it comes to protecting the Judaism as a minority culture, minority religion, those boundaries have to be very clear and you have to actually see very stark lines. You are not prepared to reassess new realities that might be nowadays. The wall has to be high. And as Rav Rav Moshe said, you have to stand in the breach in the wall. Once you protect your community, then you can be open and responsive and, you know, find permission. That's all fine once you have protected your community. But you have to start by ensuring the safety, the security, the religious safety, the religious security um, of your community first. Thanks for listening to Igros Moshe A to Z with Rabbi Dove Linzer now celebrating over 10,000 listens. This podcast is brought to you by Yeshivat Chovevei Torah and is a project of the Lindenbaum Center for Halachic Studies. With close to 150 rabbis in the field, YCT is leading and inspiring Klal Israel with a Torah that is nuanced, compassionate, and contemporary. Check out yctorah.org to learn more.